He's wild. He's sweet. He'll shred your couch on a whim. Then come crawling back to you, purring happily at your feet. His behavior may be erratic, but he's still the world's best cat, who deserves nothing less than world's best cat litter. The number one natural and sustainable litter brand with no harmful chemicals or silica dust. Trade your clay today. Get world's best cat litter for the world's best cat. This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of the Average Savage Podcast. Our special guest today is pro wheelchair basketball player and speaker, Ryan Martin. How's it going, Ryan? Good, man. Good. Thank you. Uh, thanks for making the time to have me on the pod. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, could you give us a brief summary about yourself? Yeah, so uh, my name is Ryan Martin. Um, I'm a wheelchair basketball player. Currently, I play for the New York Rolling Knicks of the NWBA. It's the wheelchair basketball team that's affiliated with the New York Knicks. When I'm not on the basketball court, I run my nonprofit that does that focuses on sports camps and programming for individuals with disabilities, such as veterans and kids. And we have programming uh, here in Connecticut in various U.S. cities, as well over in Madrid, Spain. I spent 10 years of my life living in Europe playing wheelchair basketball. Spent eight in Madrid, Spain, and then two uh, bouncing around France, and you know, enjoying that experience. Yeah, for sure. So when did you uh, start playing basketball? You know, uh, I come from a family of 12 where my parents adopted kids with special needs. And so uh, we, you know, basketball was kind of the sport we played as a family. So I started playing when I was about 13 or 14 and didn't really find wheelchair basketball per se until I was about 16 years old. I started playing with this adult team that was in my area, the Connecticut Spoke Benders and, you know, different things like that. Um, so I, I was late to finding the sport, you know, partially just because there's not as much opportunities for, you know, youth athletes with disabilities. And, you know, that was probably my experience growing up looking for those opportunities was, you know, really one of the uh, principal motivators for me to starting my own nonprofit and uh, trying to create more opportunities for uh, kids who, you know, who were going through the same stuff that I did. For sure, for sure. Where did where did you uh, go to college, and wh- what did you study for, study there? Yeah, so I went to Southwest Minnesota State University. Um, there is, I think, there's currently 15 universities that have collegiate wheelchair basketball. You yeah. know, and they're spread out across the country. So I went on a basketball scholarship out there. Um, I ended up getting my degree in secondary education with an emphasis in social sciences. You know, aside from offering me a scholarship, was um, highly regarded for their educational program in uh, in creating teachers and different things like that. So, and that's always been a passion. I think you know it's something that I still do today, but it, it kind of finds itself more in you know running programs as opposed to running classrooms. For sure. And you're from Connecticut, right? Correct. How did you end up at a school in Minnesota? You know, I mean, there, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of options. You know, I wanted to play basketball, you know, at the collegiate level, and I wanted to get a good education. And so for me, it was always going to, you know, I was always going to have to leave the state of Connecticut to do that, yeah. you know. And then just when, uh, you know, I looked for, you know, it's kind of like what we tell the kids in our program, you know. You kind of know when you get there, if it's the right fit for you. And, you know, when I visited campus and, you know, met with the coaches and met with some professors and different things like that, it was just the right fit. You know, it was, uh, it's a small rural bucolic university that, you know, is <laughs> two hours from the nearest airport, if 
you will. So, you know, to kind of paint a picture sure. of where it is, um, you know, and, you know, fondly, I say they kill you with kindness up there, you yeah. know, that Midwest values and different things like that. So it was a great experience. I wouldn't, you know, it, it allowed me to be where I am today and, and, you know, definitely open doors from the basketball perspective, you know, being able to go play in Europe and now, you know, being able to play on such a, such a high quality team here in New York. For sure. For sure. So, yeah, so after college, you went immediately to pro basketball overseas? No, no, there, there was a gap a little bit. I um, I moved down to Phoenix, and I started playing for the Phoenix Wheelchair Suns, okay. um, another NWBA-affiliated team with ties to the NBA team. Okay. And, you know, candidly, I was doing that. And, you know, you don't make a lot of money. Um, you don't make any money because it's all amateur sports, so the only money you make you know, if you play in the NWBA, it might be through endorsements or speaking engagements and different things like that. So I actually was teaching full time while I was in Phoenix, and one of my uh, one of my good friends, um, you know, in college roommates, had went right after undergraduate school to go play in Italy, and you know, he was like, "Hey, man, why don't you come out?" You know, and lo and behold, you know, he had set up this you know this tryout for me. Um, so I'm you know freshly jet lagged, flying from the U.S. over to Spain. Um, <laughs> You know, had a tryout, played well enough in the tryout, got a, you know, got my foot in the door, so to speak, with a one-year contract, and then just it kind of blew up from there. But I, you know, I never anticipated, you know, this, you know, what wheelchair basketball would do for me as a individual person from a development standpoint, from a confidence standpoint, you know, and different things of those natures, uh, um, as well as having such a long, you know cup of coffee if you will uh living in europe playing basketball yeah for sure so you said you played in spain for eight years so did you play for like one team or multiple teams or how was that yeah no i played for one team i played for hatafe which will you know which is one of the madrid teams you know madrid's you know divides it you know if you anything about spain like uh, in madrid it's divided of like seven little parts and you know so i was in the southern part of madrid and you know got to experience living in, you know, a really, really cool city, picking up the language, picking up the culture and different things like that, you know, and I've probably spent more time, you know, aside from my childhood home, I probably spent more time in Madrid than any other place as an adult. And so I, you know, I affectionately refer to it as, you know, my second home and, you know, always have a little bit of, uh, you know, a soft spot in my heart for uh, Spain and especially my time in Madrid. For sure, for sure. And then I know you said you played in France for two years. So what, what was the what was the experience like living in France versus um, Spain? You know, it, it was really interesting because, uh, you know, I lived one year in the south of France where, you know, like near that San Tropez, it was a small city called Yere. And I lived there and... You know, it's near San Tropez in Monaco, so you've got the big boats. You know, I lived, you know, probably two minutes away from, you know, a beautiful beach and different things like that, which, you know, especially living in the Northeast right now where it's cold all the time and, you know, it's, you know, I got to defrost my car before I go anywhere type of thing. Um, it, it was a really, really <laughs> awesome experience. And I mean, France from like north to south, east to west is just such a beautiful country. And I really grew to, you know, even though it was only two years there, uh, to appreciate the culture, you know, and some of the unique experiences there. Um, you know, my last year playing over in Europe, I lived in Paris, which is, uh, you know, which is a definitely a very cool experience, you know, as far as to spend that much time in, you know, one of the, you know, kind of iconic cities and, you know, in the world. Yeah, for sure. Did you uh, get to pick up any uh, Spanish or French? French? Yeah, I, I speak fluent Spanish. Um, hmm. I can... I can hack up some French, you know, uh, 
it's, I think a native French uh, speaker would look at me like <laughs> I had two heads, but you know, uh, I, I think had I had a little more time, I would have ended up picking it up because, you know, the French, after I learned Spanish, you know, acquiring that third language seemed a little bit easier, but you know, I've never been a person who is, you know, really academically inclined, but being totally immersed yeah. into that culture, you, you know, you, you can't help but pick up some language out of that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Learning on the job. Sure. Like accessibility wise overseas, like is it accessible or not like versus over here in the U S like anything, if you know, if you really, if you really are passionate about getting to the, you know, to that tourist site or whatever, yeah. you know, it, it, it's definitely possible. I, I wouldn't say it's as friendly as, you know, here in the United States where we have, you know, ADA, but the one thing yeah. I think is really, really different is, you know, I think they go out of their way to, you know, make things accessible. I remember like when I was in Venice, you know, and obviously a city that's partially, you know, almost all underwater, that's not necessarily the most easy thing for a person in a wheelchair to navigate. And I just remember the people being so friendly and just bending over backwards to, you know, help help accommodate it. You know, and even when I went to Rome and Rome's the city of ancient ruins and like, you know, getting around there in a wheelchair, uh, you know, when the sidewalk is basically on the road and you've got these little Fiat screaming by <laughs> behind you and you're like, you know, it looks like a, uh, you know, it looks like a scene out of Ocean's Eleven or something <laughs> like that. Um, you know, I, I think they're making strides. I think they're a little bit further behind in the U.S. And I think a lot of, you know, the fact that it, they're older cities and they're older buildings and different things like that affect them. But I think from an inclusive standpoint of, you know, trying to make things accessible, I think they're, uh, I think they're, you know, they're, they're heading in the right direction. But, you know, I, I always tell people when I do interviews, they'll ask me, you know, what were the two things that I missed or what were the, some of the things that I missed when I was overseas? And I would always comment that, you know, I missed my family and then the accessibility, you know, the ease of, yeah. you know, getting around the U.S. is, uh, you know, it is second to none in my opinion. For sure, for sure. And how did you start the Ryan Martin Foundation and what what's the goal of it? Yeah, you know, I, I just realized that, you know, my, my story of using adaptive sports and, and wheelchair basketball specifically uh, was, was an awesome opportunity, right? And, you know, you're talking about a kid who was up, you know, has a disability and, you know, was adopted and, you know, had a lot of different challenges and, you know, adaptive sports always kept me focused and, you know, having a wheelchair basketball team uh, did a lot for me and I, I can't, you know, just much like, you know, sports does a lot for everybody, whether you're a person with a disability or not. And so I think I just really wanted to create that opportunity for more folks. You know, I just wanted kids, you know, I would see kids, you know, who were like 10, 11, 12 or 13. And when I would be home in the summertime, they'd be like, oh man, Ryan, I want to be like you. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, like, great, you can do it. And then I'm like, well, really, there's no vehicle or mechanism for that child to do that. And so, you know, the, like I felt compelled to do that just because, you know, I think you just can't, in, in this world, you got to get back. You know, you can't just take, 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 take. Yeah. And, you know, this was my way of giving back for all the things that basketball has given me. Yeah, for sure. And um, what's like the yearly events or big events you guys run? Yeah, so we, you know, so we have two programs. We have one that runs in Madrid, Spain, mm-hmm. and then we have one that runs here in Connecticut. And our Connecticut program is, uh, you know, has athletes from five different states. You know, it's Connecticut, Mass, New York, Pennsylvania, and Rhode Island. Um, we have athletes from all there. And so we we do a series of camps in the summer months where we, you know, it's, 
introductory level or it's an advanced level for some of our advanced athletes. And, you know, the whole idea is we just want to give them that opportunity and show them what the sport can give them. You know, and we uh, we go ahead and do a similar model, you know, a truncated model in Madrid, Spain, where we do a couple of different clinics and camps um, during the summer months. And then during the regular year, we have folks out there who run the program. And, you know, we, we advise from here in the U.S. And I'll go over a couple of times a year to make sure everything's, you know, kind of up to our standard of, of how we would like the program under our umbrella to be run. And so it, it's been great. You know, kids get to participate in year-round basketball, whether they're joining a junior league and playing against teams from other cities like Philly, New York, Virginia, Baltimore, or they're just getting, you know, that opportunity uh, to participate in camps and just find the sport for the first time. You know, I think the, the my favorite part of what we do is, you know, when you get a kid in a wheelchair for the first time who's 8, 9, 10 years old, who's never seen the sport, you know, and they get in a chair and, they, and their face lights up. Right. You know, because they know they found something that, you know, whether they knew it or not, you know, at eight or nine years old, but it's going to give them something that they've been missing, you know, that chance to, you know, just play, you know, for a lot of, you know, for a lot of our kids, you know, especially the younger ones, you know, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of hurdles in their place. And we want basketball, you know, to be kind of this, this vehicle for, you know, inclusion and opportunity and different things like that. So, you know, when we get a new kid into a chair and they get, you know, they're out on the court and they don't want to leave practice because, well, they finally found something, you know, that's, you know, that's the benefit. And that's, you know, that's the best part about what we do. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. And I saw a former NBA player in UConn head coach, Kevin Ali at a lot of your events. And Mm -hmm. I was just trying to figure out how that all come about. Yes. Okay. Of mine, uh, and you know, he's been a really good supporter of you know all the stuff we've done with you know my nonprofit, and I've helped out with some of the stuff that you know with his nonprofit endeavors and some of the charity stuff that he does, you know. Uh, but that that's a genuine thing, you know. I knew I knew Ko when he was you know working out at six o'clock in the morning at LA Fitness Gym, you know, while he was a 12th man on NBA rosters, you know, still trying to you know, still trying to play basketball at that level, you know, and uh, we struck up a friendship and he's been, you know, he's been super supportive, um, you know, especially as I've transitioned from somebody who is trying to build my brand beyond just basketball and impact communities in a positive way. Uh, You know, he's been good. I can just fire him a text message and, you know, just ask him random questions and, uh, I, I truly appreciate his sport, but, you know, I think the one question people ask me, they're like, well, how, how genuine is that relationship? And, you know, I, I consider him a friend uh, first and foremost. And so, yeah, that just kind of happened from, you know, two guys at a gym working out, waiting to, you know, waiting to start doing full court drills, you know, several summers ago. And, you know, it's kind of blossomed into, you know, a really nice friendship and then also a, uh, you know, kind of a business relationship as well. And how did you become a motivational speaker? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's I think that's the educator in me, right? Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. the I think that's the person who, you know, kinda wants to give back and you know, the the platform has changed, you know, I'll I'll go talk to a group of, 
you know, five individual kids, you know, in some school somewhere, or, you know, now it's more doing, you know, flying down to North Carolina and speaking at a university there, or speaking at a UConn, uh, a UConn event, or speaking, you know, at a major corporate event. It's kind of grown a little bit, and, you know, my message has changed a lot. You know, I, I speak on the importance of, you know, inclusion in the, in the classroom and in the workplace for individuals with disabilities. You know, I tell, I tell a lot of my story mm-hmm. as well as, um, you know, what we're doing for the foundation side of things as well. And so it's, a uh, you know, but I think that is definitely the, um, the teacher in me who, you know, and part of the whole idea of me wanting to give back and just kind of, you know, provide some wisdom, if you will. For sure. For sure. What, what do you like to do in uh, your free time when you're not speaking or playing basketball? <laughs> you know, I, I, I run the day-to-day operations of a, you know, an international nonprofit. There's not a lot of free time, yeah, my yeah, friend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I, I think I'm like everybody else. You know, I like to spend time with family, obviously, you know, coming from a family of 12. You know, I, I anytime I can, you know, just kind of disconnect and spend time with, you know, my nieces or nephews or, you know, my siblings is always great, you know, uh, Lindsay, my better half, I, I spend a lot of time with her. She seems to take up a, a quite a bit of my time, and I say that affectionately, <laughs> hoping that she hears this podcast at some point. Um, you know, just just kind of kind of normal stuff. I like to read. I like to binge Netflix shows when I'm in some random hotel. You know, yeah. kind of like everybody, kind of like everybody else, right? <laughs> yeah. You ready? You ready for some fun questions? Yeah, let's go. All right. So, if you weren't a pro basketball player, what do you think you'd be doing? I think I kind of already know uh, the answer. Yeah, I think I would be teaching somewhere. <laughs> That was that was an easy one. Yeah, that was a, that was a low hanging fruit. Thanks for a, <laughs> thanks for a softball on the start there. And uh, what about what's on uh, your music playlist right now? That's a great question. As I have my iPhone in my hands, you know, I'm really big in the podcast. Yeah. Um, and a lot of my uh, music selection is kind of like rap music, uh, just for like workout music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty eclectic. I can get with any type of music, with probably the probably the exception of country music. So I don't. I hope <laughs> you don't have a lot of country listeners on your uh, podcast following. Um, I think that when I look at the last song I played was this Molotov Four, which is uh, French rap music. Um, so, like I said, I'm pretty eclectic, but. Um, I, I spend more time listening to podcasts and stuff like that. And if it's music, it's usually rap music. Definitely. Definitely have to agree with you on the country music too. <laughs> yeah, man. It just never, you know, I mean, you know, and off wax, I could tell you some, some funny stories about around that. Uh, but yeah, never really got into it and, you know, quick to change the station if that's what pops up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Your top five favorite basketball players of all time. Hey, is it okay to count myself? Yeah, why not? So I'm going myself first and foremost, uh, you know, and then I'll, I'll bounce around. I, I think Kevin Garnett, you know, just because I uh, I love the passion that he played with, yeah. Um, as well, um, geez, I, I would be remiss. I would say, you know, my college teammate who's made multiple Paralympic games, Josh Turek, um, has always just really impressed me as a basketball player. I would say. Um, you know, Pat Anderson, who's, you know, considered the GOAT of our sport for wheelchair basketball as well. Um, he's just been, he's on real to watch what he can do in a wheelchair and different things like that. Um, you know, so I would say for, for sure that would be four. And then like Saturday night I was at MSG and I got to see Giannis play in person. And man, that guy's something else too. So, uh, if you give me more than five, I can sit here all day and listen. Yeah. But that, that's my five <laughs> off the off the rip right there. All right, I like it. 
And what are your goals for 2019? Yeah, you know, my goals for 2019, I'd like to see, um, you know, I'd like to see us repeat as, as champions. You know, last year we were able to win the championship with, uh, with the Knicks, and I'd like to see that. I'd like to see us be able to repeat, which is going to be a challenge. I think, you know, the bullseye is clearly on us now. If it, if it wasn't on us before, you know, and I think, you know, in sport, it, it's easy to win once. It's easier to win once, excuse me, but, to, you know, to get over that mountaintop a second time will be, uh, will be really interesting to see. For sure, for sure. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, and you can tell the listeners where they can find you on social media. On Instagram and Twitter, it's uh, RyanMartin06. And then on Facebook, I don't know how does it work on Facebook. Isn't it just Ryan Martin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just Ryan Martin, and then, and then the foundation page. Yes, that's it. And yeah. then the foundation page, you know, is uh, RyanMartinFoundation.org. You know, and any you know inquiries or questions about how that all works, uh, you know, my contact information is, is definitely there as well. For sure, we'll appreciate you having coming on, and uh, hope you have a good day. Likewise, thanks, man. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.